Welcome to the Sisterhood Podcast. I am Heike, Master Energy Healer and Mindset Coach. I am passionate about helping you heal, reparent, and reclaim your life as the awakener you are meant to be, to live your life fulfilling your unique purpose from the inside out. If you're looking to reclaim your life of deep inner peace, purpose, and love, create and maintain healthy relationships and thrive in all areas of your life, then you have come to the right place. My goal is to help you see the infinite potential in yourself, to be who you were meant to be in this life and have anything you desire. This podcast is designed to help you find out who you are on a deeper level and step into your role as the awakener the world has been waiting for. Leave it to me to guide you through the processes and add exponential value to your life so when you leave, your cup is overflowing and you are ready to reclaim what is rightfully yours. I can't wait to share this space with you. Thank you for pushing play and let's begin. Hi sisters and welcome back to a new episode of The Sisterhood. Today I am speaking about how to deal with a narcissistic sibling and this is one of the most popular themes, I think, among us daughters of narc mothers because most of us have a sibling and if you don't have a sibling then you will have somebody else that your mom will have deemed a golden child or will have just adored. So if you are somebody that does not have a sibling, you will have somebody in your life that you can relate this to. I hope you guys had a nice Easter. If you didn't celebrate Easter, then maybe you just had a few days off and had some time to relax. I know that this is still a crazy time for most of us and some of you still trying to find your way. I know some sisters that are moving that are just, you know, in limbo some might be isolated alone and I want you to know that you're never alone. You can always reach out to me, reach out to other sisters, especially in the Facebook group and know that you are always deeply supported. So the very first thing that I will say about narcissistic siblings is that there will always only be one awakener in every single family. And this is the most important thing that I might be saying today. Because being an awakener is something very unique. And that is you. Okay? Your sibling's form of survival was really to become like her. To earn love and admiration. And this is at the core of a narcissistic mother's needs because she needs to be loved and admired no matter what, no matter the consequences, no matter the outcome. And that is exactly what your siblings learn to give her. But you, as an awakener, were never able to do that, no matter how hard you tried, because you were a truth seeker, a truth teller, you're exactly the opposite of what a narcissistic mother wants, needs, dreams of, right? And awaken has a very important role in their family. So if you have no idea what an awakener is and you are not in our Facebook group where I've spoken about this multiple times, then I'll give you this very short version. Into each family, an awakener is born. An awakener is somebody that 
breaks generational cycles and curses. Somebody that holds up the mirror to everybody in the family and says, this is who you are. You get to choose. An awakener is somebody that makes people stop and think about their behaviors, their beliefs, the way they treat others, the way they are treating themselves. The path of the awakener is not always an easy one. It's usually one that is filled with bumps and bruises. It's a path filled with many pebbles. It's a path filled with pain. And the beautiful thing about really stepping into your role as an awakener is taking that pain, taking those experiences, and really using them as your superpower. Because I know that you know Deep inside of you is something that the world is waiting for. And this is not just some humbug I'm just talking about. This is the truth because I've seen it, I've experienced it. I know this to be true. So now that we've got that covered, (laughs) I want you to also know that as you roll as an awakener, you will have unconsciously called her out on her madness, even in childhood. You will have confronted her with her pain. And I still remember vividly when I was five years old that I hated that smell of cigarette smoke that my dad was surrounded with permanently. And he would have back in the late 80s these big packets of cigarettes. I don't know if you guys ever had those or you remember those. those, I think they were like 200 cigarettes in one of those boxes. And I would systematically run through the house to find those boxes he hid from me and destroy each and every cigarette. And I would not stop every time I would get a really big hiding. And I would not stop. And that's something that maybe you can identify as in some part of your life where you didn't give up yet, where you were still fighting for that you still had that piece of that awakener within you. And you showed your mom how she was failing you, how she was messing up. And because a narcissistic mother has this deep trauma herself, these wounds, her emotional and intellectual intelligence is stunted, which means she uses rudimentary ways to punish, which are usually based in guilt and shame. Now, this is not adult behavior, right? Passive-aggressive behavior, throwing temper tantrums, you know, being emotionally avoiding you and abusing you is not adult behavior. It's very stunted emotional growth. And this guilt and the shame, it just over time became your own, even though it was never yours to begin with. You were not born with shame and guilt. Now, your siblings do not share your purpose and their survival really depended on adapting to her to receive the love and admiration they so needed. And this is also why they defend her because this was their survival mode and it's still their survival mode they have and they will not let go of that. Because letting go of this, which has really become their truth now as adults, would question their entire identity 
And let's be honest, that is reserved for the awakener, not for them. So the way of the awakener is different to those of your siblings because you have a deeper purpose. And I'm not saying they have no purpose. (laughs) It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you as an awakener have a, a deeper purpose of service to humanity, to the earth, to the animal kingdom. And this is also the reason why you feel deeply, why you think so deeply. And sometimes I even joke that I think too much or my, you know, sometimes my husband will look at me and tell me to stop thinking literally and will laugh about it. And sometimes I just get annoyed with myself that I always have to go into the deepest depths of everything, but that's our purpose. And I know you fascinated by depth, which often leads to you being an avid art lover, a bookworm, you know, animal lover, just obsessed with nature, transformation in nature and everything. Because all these things, they bring you back to your imagination. And this is one of the most powerful aspects of being human. You know, one of those aspects of the awakener that you used to use, especially in your childhood, to really manifest things instantly. And that's why most of you are actually healers in one form or another. Because from your imagination, you are creating. And the reason why you are often stuck in your thoughts, which cause your anxiety and depression, is because you were taken out of this imagination. You were put into your mind space. But your mind is not a creative place to be. And I know some of you are chuckling right now because you know that I keep on saying this. But it's the truth. Your mind's not creative. Your mind's just regurgitating what it knows to be true. And what it knows to be true is just what you feed it. Your mind and your imagination are not the same thing. So yes, you were treated differently growing up. And that was painful, I know. But the only reason you were treated less was because you were the one holding up the mirror when no one else dared to. And the rivalry you feel is never coming from you. You don't play in those dark depths. You know of them, but they are not yours. And the jealousy you might feel is only the belief that they might be living an easier life, right? And sometimes, you know, you might just feel jealous of anyone that might be living this easy life. Easy smiles, the easy get-togethers, the easy talks. But let me tell you one thing. An awakener doesn't do easy. Easy never changed anyone or anything. Easy never moved any mountains. And easy is boring for us awakeners. I know you know that. So it's true, okay? Your siblings live on the outside. Their life on the outside looks easy breezy, maybe compared to yours. Maybe this is your belief, but it's not. Because you were taught to look outside of yourself for happiness, for success, fulfillment, love, purpose. This is what your mother taught you. So your whole life, that is what you do. 
that's what you've done. Maybe you're still doing. And that's also what you are projecting onto your siblings. Maybe you're not even aware of it. But this looking to the outside has become a part of your identity. The way you see things, you perceive things around you and within you. So they might have a great job, they might be married, have kids, look happy, smile a lot. You know, but behind all of that are very needy little children that still believe they have to earn mommy's approval and they will never stop chasing that approval. That's the reason they are stuck on her heels. They beckon at her very call. You know, they're breaking your boundaries, their boundaries, anyone's boundaries when she asks them to do anything. All for that one pat on the back. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather live a life of purpose than run after an illusion like that. And that's also the reason why they don't think they're treated differently to you. Because they actually believe they are some form of golden child. So even though I don't believe in this term, right, this golden child, black sheep, you know I don't actually talk about these things because I find them to be disempowering. Because the term, you know, nobody's a golden child in a narc's eyes but themselves. So because even the a golden child is massively manipulated. What's so golden about that? Anybody and everyone is emotionally abused by a narc. So where does that golden child come in, right? Because even if she gives them some form of affection, there's always something attached to that. It's never given freely. Nothing is given freely. You know, she just made them believe so, which makes them feel entitled to anything they want. I know, I know, I know, I know. We're going to get to this one in a second. And it also sounds like a spoiled brat, doesn't it? Now, again, this is disrupted emotional growth. It's not really a nice place to be. A spoiled brat displays childlike behavior. And this has nothing to do with adult behavior again. So your siblings will project back to your mother exactly what she wants to hear and see. And because you cannot do this for your mother, because you're a truth teller, you're a truth seeker, she emotionally rejects you because the pain of self-reflection would be too big. I know this drives you up the walls. It did for me for many years. It even went so far that... I couldn't differentiate who was on the call, my mom or my brother. I had no idea they had the same voice. It's insane. You know, I want to share two stories with you guys today about the siblinghood, okay? And how my brother's entitlement really caused a lot of pain in my life. But that eventually just you know, led to the no contact as well. So the first story is about my beautiful firstborn son, Liam, and I desperately wanted to be a young mother because my mom had me when she was 41. And I think for for most of my teenage years and going into my early 20s, I thought that the reason I hated her so much was because we had this generation 
no gap was my perception of it, right? I thought she's just too old. Now, in hindsight, I know that, you know, it doesn't really matter how old you are. It doesn't matter, you know, it has nothing to do with how you treat somebody. But anyway, that was my belief back then. And I desperately wanted to become a young mother because I thought that would never happen to me then. So I was 26 when I fell pregnant and had Liam when I was 27. And the story begins a month before Liam was born. And I was speaking to my brother, I think almost every second, third day. I was living in Germany by that time. He was still living in South Africa and he had also married and <laughs> I was speaking to him about names. And for some reason, I had chosen Damien. And we were on a Skype call. And I said, what do you think of the name Damien? And there was absolute silence on the other side. <laughs> I didn't really know what to make of it. I thought to myself, maybe he's just, you know, has a bad connection. <laughs> Something's going wrong. And then he's like, I need to go now. I thought to myself, well, you know, maybe he's just got to work for the guest house, something that I was forced to study in hotel management so I could, you know, help run this guest house in South Africa back in the days. And I just left it at that. Now, mind you, I was nine months pregnant, so I was, you know, lying around most of the time and couldn't really move or, or didn't want to move really. <laughs> An hour later, I get another call from him. And this time it wasn't him, but it was his wife. Now, his wife and I, we've got a bit of a backstory, and I'm pretty sure some of you are going to be able to resonate with this. We really don't like each other. And she didn't want to actually speak to me. She started writing. And she wasn't writing in any normal terms. She was caps-locking me. And it went something like this. Don't you dare use that name. God appeared to me in a dream and said, my son's name should be Damien. You cannot use this name. This is not acceptable. Don't you dare use his, this name. Now, mind you, they were not pregnant. And I mean, I don't know if she had a crystal ball, but how was she to know if she would ever have a boy? So that was that first rip in the relationship, where I really became consciously aware of how manipulative he was and his wife was. I'm nine months pregnant. This is just totally unacceptable. I was crying. I knew instantly that my baby was feeling this as well, this deep pain and anguish. People that are supposed to keep you safe are treating you this way. So I know exactly how you feel. Okay, I know what it's like to feel like an outsider in your family. I know what it's like to feel like these people are actually supposed to be protecting me, supporting me, becoming something like a cheerleader. And that's why we can build our own community of sisters that support each other without guilt and shame, showing up for each other without guilt and shame. And without feeling bad about talking about things that society still might deem inappropriate. Now that was the first story. The second story happened when Noah was born, my second son. And I was at home 
we got home from hospital and we just could not choose a name. It was so hard. My husband is half German, half French. I was born in South Africa. I'm German by descent, but my whole understanding of names, I just have this whole different feeling for English names. And we we decided we needed to give them names that you could pronounce in both in, in three languages, German, French, and English. So it was really hard for us. <laughs> and when I got home, we were between Damien and Noah. And when I told my brother that, because by that time we were, you know, sporadically speaking, and obviously a birth of a child would, you know, lead to us having a chit-chat. <laughs> he flipped out. He went bonkers. By this time, he had his first son, whose second name was Damiano. And he just, you know, shouted at me, went crazy. Mind you, I just arrived back home from hospital. So your hormones, anyone that has had a baby knows they are whack. And I just couldn't believe it. He said to me, you will regret this. And guys, that was that moment. That was, you know, we just take a little bit longer maybe with our siblings and our mom because it just, you know, we have this really, really high threshold for pain and abuse in a sense that we just, you know, take so much until we can't take it any longer. And that was my point of I'm not taking it any longer. And then I put the phone down and I told my mother and she was upset, maybe for an hour. <laughs> And that was that. That was the end of the story of me and my brother. We haven't had real contact unless I was, you know, visiting my mom because of the kids. And then we would, you know, briefly have a chit chat, but nothing. There's no emotional connection any, you know, anymore whatsoever. So our siblings might seem louder, more defiant. You know, like I said, my brother, you know, speaking their mind with no regards to other people's, you know, or your feelings. It seems like they know what they want. They tend to choose easily, you know, or be more steadfast in their approach to life and choices, be, you know, small or big choices. But the truth is they need someone else for that. They truly need someone else for that. And that's why they settle really young or they're just addicted to relationships or being in relationships for the most part of their life. They very, very rarely isolate themselves unless they have experienced other forms of trauma. And for the most part, their partner is often narcissistic themselves because this is the pattern that they're carrying on because they are not an awakener. They need this to survive. And this is also what they learned, this behavior, to survive. And this is what you seemingly think they are thriving in. But their partners are an extended version of your mother. And that doesn't really sound appealing, does it? Would you want to spend the rest of your life with a version of your mother? I don't think so. And if some of you have siblings that have spouses or girlfriends, boyfriends that you do like, then that is usually quite rare. 
So instead of feeling guilt about feeling ill towards them, maybe now you can feel a little bit more compassionate towards their fate. The fate they've chosen nonetheless, right? But still a fate that has nothing to do with you in a sense, because you know that, and I know from my personal experience, my brother married a narcissist and I really, I can't stand her, but I feel deep compassion for him because I know that this is the pattern that he's just carrying on and he's passing on to his boys and they are going to pass on and so forth. So I know that you know you can choose to, you know, detach from their lives, but something really important here is this compassion that we need to cultivate for them. And that kind of takes us out of this comparing the relationships and takes us out of, you know, feeling we need to take responsibility for anything in the relationship towards your siblings. Because sometimes we don't stop to realize that we don't want a mother like ours to actually mother us. That is the truth of the matter. We don't want someone like that to mother us. What we really need are sisters, like you and me, a community that gets us. So on that note, I hope you guys have a beautiful week. Talk to you soon. Bye.